Welcome to The Pen and the Yod. Join Rabbi Michael Siegel from Ad Sheim at Synagogue in Chicago and author Jonathan Ogg as they talk about this week's Torah portion of the Yachel Pakude. Come together right now, Jew and me. You're a wordsmith, so I'm going to give you a challenge here if I can. Okay, go for it. The Hebrew language is built off of three-letter roots. And so, for instance... The root word kuf he lamed is the root word for a congregation, a kihila, using those same three letters, kihila, is a congregation. But by adding a letter at the beginning, you can turn a noun into a verb. So vayakel, which is the name of our portion, is the verb form of congregate, a congregation. So what would you say would be the translation? It's a command, and you will what? Wow. Um, So it's more than just communing. Communing, you know, to me is mostly speaking. Uniting, maybe, I would go with. Um, That's a tough one. Bringing people together doesn't always unite them. Right. So... Congregate is the simple answer, but it seems like you're looking for something deeper than that. I think congregate is is a good one, but I think when you use a term like congregation and all of the meaning that we put into that term, I'm just trying to think about in the uh, Jewish Publication Society version of the Torah, it uses the word convoke, but I got to tell you that that word doesn't do a lot for me. Mm-hmm. Right. Perhaps I'm just reading too much into this because Jews coming together is a huge issue. How do we bring people together? It's one thing to call them together in the same room, but how do we take the step of bringing people together? Biblical scholar Robert Alter, in his remarkable translation, writes, and Moses assembled all the congregation of Israel which is a really interesting term, right? He assembled them. I I think it's both uh, descriptive and proscriptive. Yes, we're coming together. We have assembled ourselves. But I love the mechanics of it because if you do it thoughtfully, then you bring people together. You assemble them into a congregation. Yeah, that's that's nice. It's not just um, putting together the people in the same room. It's there's a united purpose. There's a sense of community, a sense of collective action. You know, if there's a verb for kibbutz, uh, maybe we would um, maybe we we just need a verb form. Okay, maybe I'm under the impression that this command vayakel wasn't all that easy in Moses's time, because I think that the Israelites that he was looking at were a pretty wide spectrum, and as we find out again and again throughout the Torah, they could be a disagreeable bunch. I would say today, how would we even bring together the entire household of the people of Israel, right? If if we called a worldwide meeting of the Jewish people on Zoom, who would come, right? Yeah, good luck with that. Right. Well, what does that say? Yeah. Right? A- Who's calling the meeting? If these people are sitting at the table, I'm not sitting at the table, right? It's not very hard to see how this would go, but it really speaks to the fractured nature of the Jewish people throughout time. And I think most especially during our time, I think we are really um, 
at a crisis point as far as our own unity as a people and our own willingness to sit down at the same table. Right. And we could extend this conversation and go beyond the Jewish community and talk about how fractured all of us are. Um, Americans have their own set of fractures, various religions, um, you know, different parts of the globe. Uh, We're fractured in so many ways, even, you know, within some of our own families. So the question is, how do you congregate? How do you remind people that we're that we're part of the same community and and work together. I don't know. It's feeling really more and more difficult. I look at what's happening in Israel now, and it makes you want to just throw up your hands or just throw up. (laughs) (laughs) The reality is, is that hundreds of thousands of Jews have been marching every Saturday night. There are thousands and thousands of Jews who are standing in front of the Knesset as laws are moving through the system. The president of Israel, Buzi Herzog, is really crying out to, to slow this process down of changing the Supreme Court, amongst other things. There are lots of things on the legislative slate of the new government of Israel that a lot of people around the world see as alarm bells, touching the law of return, things like that. And what it's doing is it's exacerbating the situation and the challenge of the uh, world we're living in. I heard a a podcast recently, and the person was talking about the fractured nature of Israel. And he talked about how in Tel Aviv, you have the more secular, oftentimes Ashkenazic-based group. And in Jerusalem, you have the Haredi and the religious Zionists, and they're living in great concentration. And he talked about the fact that we could see a civil war where you actually have two different kingdoms. One is the kingdom of Tel Aviv and one is the kingdom of Jerusalem. When it happened after the reign of King Solomon, that spelled the end of the state of Israel. And what's more, and other people have pointed this out, the kingdom that David built, right, the full kind of boundaries of Israel, that didn't last for more, much more than 70 years. The Maccabees, they created a kingdom that was independent. That lasted a little more than 70 years. And people are pointing to the fact that Israel is now 75 this year, right? Is this an ominous sign? I mean, are we able to come together? Because if we're not able to come together, then I don't know what kind of future we have. And I don't think that's Pollyannish. I don't think that's histrionic. I think that's the reality. No, it's very distressing, and we're, we're living in a world in, in which selfishness seems to have no bounds and that we think of ourselves, we think of our blocks, we think of our, of our little uh, silos in which we live as, as being the most important, and there's very little openness to thinking about the bigger community. On a silly note, I heard some commentator say the other day, you know, they've been shooting down these objects over Canada and over the Midwest, and the last one was, still hasn't been identified. And somebody said, you know, what would be our response if we, if we found out that we picked up the scraps and it was actually, you know, an alien ship from a distant galaxy? Um, would that unite us? Would, would we be able to come together as a globe, not just Republicans and Democrats, but as a planet? Would we be able to come together and look at this and realize that, you know, we were all in this together? And I think the answer is pretty clearly no. <laughs> Like, it would just be, we would just fight over who had the right response to this alien appearance. And that's just sad that there's, like, it, I'm so skeptical that there's there's nothing that could bring us together. I think you could make the uh, same argument throughout Jewish history that the one thing that brought Jews together throughout time was anti-Semitism. 
Right. So there was a negative response from the outside as far as as opposed to a positive response inside that would unite us. And the command of Vayakel at the beginning of the portion to bring these people together in the work of building a tabernacle. Right. That's what that's, they're asked to come together to both make contributions, uh, physical and otherwise, to the building of this indwelling place for God. So in a way, what's being said here is that if God is going to dwell in this space, then the only way that's going to happen is if we ourselves are united, right? What happened? What would we do if tomorrow archaeologists announced that they found um, the, the Ten Commandments? What if they dug them up? Right. So, my God, look at this. This is here's the Ark of the Covenant. And they open the box and inside are these are, are the actual tablets given at Sinai, the ones that brought the Jewish to be people together. Would they bring us together today? Will we all say, oh, my gosh, let's we're all one. This was given to us. Let's join together. Do you think that would happen? I think we'd fight over who it belonged to and who was right all along and whether who had been interpreting them right all along. Again, I'm being cynical, but that's how I've been raised, is to think that no good can come from this. We're just made to fight these days over everything. I fear that you're correct, but I guess what I would add to it is that this conversation is a just a microcosm of how important the command Vayakel is for us. In other words, it's a value for us to come together. Not a luxury, not a once in a lifetime, or you make it possible for me to join with you. So you'll have to disavow this, 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 and this, which isn't going to happen. And the person says, well, yeah, sure, I'll disavow. I'm not disavowing anything now I think about it. You can disavow X, Y, and Z. So this is our situation. But as Americans, as Jews living in the diaspora, as Jews living in the land of Israel, do we place a premium on the idea that, that of congregating, that we are a congregation, a kihilah, and that it is a positive commandment for us to come together? Because this entire enterprise can't survive unless we are united. No, I couldn't agree more. And, you know, every major religion tells us that we're all children made in the image of God, that we are all the same, and, and that's an instruction to come together even beyond each religion, but to um, but in practice, that becomes a lot more difficult. Let me move into then um, kind of a strange segue, but I think it has application here. I, you won't be that surprised that it's a strange segue. But um, there's a question that the rabbi that, that's asked in the Talmud amongst the, amongst the myriad of questions that are asked: Should you understand and then fulfill the mitzvah? In other words, should you learn everything there is to learn about kashrut and then make the choice to openly keep kosher, right, to align yourself with the ideas? Or should you act on the commandment in the Torah, keep kosher, in the hope that you will come to understand? Should you only keep Shabbat if you really understand the philosophy of Shabbat? Or should you keep start keeping Shabbat in order that you will come to learn about it, to come to, underst to a deeper understanding? Wow. Um, you know, the thing about religion is that it's simple. It should speak to your basic values, to your heart. And if you're not living them, if you're not at least trying to live the, the values of your religion and your basic goodness, you know, the philosophy of just being a, 
a part of the community, then I don't know why you're bothering. Okay, so you're saying that if I don't understand what I'm doing, then I shouldn't do it. No, I'm saying that even if you're not religious, you should be trying to live up to the values that are okay. basic to all of us. And then the religion helps us do that. Religion helps us, you know, to, to understand it and to direct it. Yeah, I, I want to kind of bring you back down to planet Earth here for a second. <laughs> I, I, I like what you're saying. I can't argue with it. I'm asking you a very specific question. Okay. Do the mitzvah only when you understand the purpose of the mitzvah? Or should you do it in the in order that you will come to understand it? Should you study about putting a mezuzah on your door and then put it up? Or should you put the mezuzah up and then study and gain a greater appreciation? In other words, does the commandment itself stand on its own? So should you kill for a while until you understand thou shalt not kill? Wow. Um, no, I think, I think you got to do it and under, try to understand it. You know, you okay. do it. You, you do the rules, you do what's, these are, that's what I'm saying before. It's like, these, these rules are not abstract. They're, they're rooted in our fundamental understanding of what it is to be a human being, uh, what it is to be a part of a community. So uh, you do the rules and you then uh, try to understand them better, I think. Okay, I'm going to make a counter argument here. All right. And I'm going to apply it directly to our conversation. Sometimes the command, by doing the command, even if you don't understand what you're doing or why you're doing it, but you know that it's coming from a higher source, puts you in a situation where you learn to appreciate something that you would have never appreciated if you had waited until you understood everything because that day may never come. So sometimes you have to jump in the water a little bit to learn to swim. You can't just study swimming from the shore and then one day get in and start swimming, you have to learn within the water and you can't, you don't understand the experience of getting in the water until you get in the water. You know, I can talk about it for, you know, 20 hours in a row, what it's like to jump in the water. But unless you know that feeling of the water surrounding your body and the coolness and all the rest, you won't understand it. I think that that's a value in and of itself, following the mitzvah for the sake of the mitzvah, the command is a value so that in the case of Vayakel, of gathering, it's never going to be okay for everybody to be sitting at the table. It's never going to be okay. There's always going to be somebody who you don't want to sit with, or you're going to represent something that other people aren't going to want. I'm not coming. If that person's coming, I'm not coming. No. The mitzvah, the commandment, orders you to be there, and then you'll have to work it out. How do you do that? And I feel like we need a command to come together, not only and the desire in our own heart to sit together and value community, because in this day and age, I don't, I'm not sure that we're going to be able to come together otherwise. No, I think that's a great point. And I think that you work on these things, you work on being a better person by communicating with other people, by being around other people and figuring out how to coexist and get along. And um, that's part of the process. Yeah. I, I, I just want to end by saying this. You know, we could go walk around and do a survey and ask Jews in our, our community, what are the 10 biggest problems in Jewish life? And they would tick off a list for you. But if we walked around and said, what is uniquely good about the time in which we're living? How quickly would be, we be able to come with that list? And here's the reality. We have been dealt a set of cards that I think most Jews in Jewish history would have valued almost beyond belief. We live in a country where we have rights. We live in a country where we can work. We live in a country that 
while it does have anti-Semitism, it also has a government that is fighting anti-Semitism. And we are thriving as we can thrive as Jews in this community. We are living in a time where there's a state of Israel where more than half of the Jewish community lives and, and in a country that knows how to protect itself and a country that's thriving, right, uh, across the world economic uh, standard. So these are pretty good times. And yet even in the midst of these good times, we have trouble coming together. That's a harsh critique of our time. And I think if we take community more seriously, if we value it, and we also hear the command of Vayakel, that'll take us a long way. Let's not wait for the aliens to come and unite us. Thank you for that comforting thought. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Jonathan. Thanks, Rabbi.